Welcome to this week's edition of Run Talk SA with myself, David Katz, Mr. Active. And I've got a really interesting guest on the cards today. And it's not necessarily running specific, but the whole part of running and running these crazy ultras we do in South Africa, it's all in your head. It's all about motivation. And just to give you a little bit of a background into our, our guest this week, uh, uh, if you look at the background into his book, it says, this is the story of how a skinny kid from Kenworth in Cape Town managed to travel halfway around the world without sponsorship and then outwit, outsmart, and outperform the world's best-paid professional athletes on a day that changed his life and the sport of big wave surfing forever. If you haven't cottoned on yet, it is Chris Burtish who we're speaking today. Chris, you are one incredible cat, if I can put it that way. <laughs> thanks, David. I really appreciate it, and thanks very much for having, having me on the show. It's a, a privilege and honor to be with you guys today. So thanks a lot. I'm still in Mozambique trying to get back to South Africa. It's been about a 15-hour drive so far. I've got another 20 to go, so almost there. Well, Chris, that uh, excerpt from your book called Stoked, which is such a lovely South African title for a book, but you were talking about your big wave exploits over in Maverick in the United States. And I mean, when we talk big waves, we're talking about three, four-story buildings, and people have seen these waves like crazy. And, and for you, that, that really was the start of what has now been a few amazing journeys. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, um, I've been very fortunate that I've Grew up in a family of three brothers, and my dad was a bit of a, a nutcase and a waterman himself. So we are involved in, in immersed in the ocean from a really early age. So I think, you know, the ocean sort of became my my second home. And, um, you know, being the youngest of three brothers, I was always trying to keep up with them. And I guess um, otherwise I just got left behind. So it made me pretty pretty fiery, pretty passionate, and pretty driven and determined to be able to always keep up with them. So I think that's how it all started, and then it sort of just all... Oh, unfolded the way it did uh, i guess and you know i started realizing that if you if you really set your mind on something and you, you put your put your um your thumbprint on a goal and you can stay focused and stay determined and, and resilient you you can pretty much achieve anything and i think the the big way of surfing goal and dream and that story sort of started that and then it just sort of snowballed from there into other other disciplines and other things and it just sort of reinforced for myself i guess that 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 mantra and that philosophy can apply to anything in life, no matter what you want to do, and it can cross different platforms, different sports, different, um, you know, different parts of your life. Now, Chris, when we we look at running, it's it's the furthest thing possible from the ocean, and especially you know up here in the Kauteng mm. and in anywhere inland in South Africa, you know, running's an option because you don't have an ocean, but. You know, I, I grew up down at the coast. I, I took life-saving. You know, and when I did that, I sort of developed less of a fear for the ocean. As soon as I stopped, that sort of fear started to come back. And I know with triathlon, a lot of people's biggest fear, it's the shortest, it's actually the easiest aspect of a triathlon, but people are so scared of the swim. What is it about the ocean? And, I mean, the amount of time you spent on that water, why are people so afraid of, of the ocean? I mean, I know, look, it's endless, that mass, it goes on for miles, but should we be afraid <laughs> of it as much as most people are? Um, I think, David, in, in some weird way, you actually sort of hit the nail on the head in part of your sentence that you said, you know, you spend a lot of time in the ocean, and I think that's really what it is. And I think you can take that, that saying and that... Um, explanation across into anything um you you become more accustomed to and you become more comfortable with anything that you spend a lot of time doing um whether it be 
you know, um, facing a fast cricket bowler at you or whether it be spending time um, swimming in the ocean or whether it be, you know, cycling on our roads um, with the um, taxis that we have driving around. Uh, so, you know, anything that you do a lot, you become more comfortable with the situation. You know, a lot of people would have said, you know, paddling through the night in the open ocean would be absolutely frightening. But, you know, I've, I've become accustomed to that the more that I've done it. And people would think, well, you know, surfing massive waves would be completely psychotic and, and frightening to anyone. But if you spend a lot of time building that up, you know, and putting in the little building blocks from the first time you surf four-foot waves right through until 60-foot waves, then you become better at dealing with that fear, dealing with that um, any of the fears that you have in life. And you can cross that over into anything you do. And I, I would imagine for... For, for runners, it's exactly the same. You know, the fear of the swim is, is obviously the greatest because you, you're not exposed to the ocean up there and you don't have a lot of time to and a lot of opportunity to be able to put yourself in that situation. And I think like, like anything in life, the more you do it, the more you shift that comfort zone. So if you put yourself in that situation on a regular basis, your, your comfort levels shift to become, that becomes the norm and then you can shift it even further. But the more you expose yourself to that situation the more comfortable you become with it, and the better you can mentally deal with it. Now, Chris, you're in Mozambique at the moment because you've set another crazy record. You already held last year, you set the open ocean 12-hour distance stand-up paddling record in the Guinness Book of Records. It stands there. You wanted to go set the 24-hour. You attempted it twice in your backyard in the Western Cape. <laughs> Conditions were not your friend. You went up to Mozambique. It was also very difficult, but... You achieved the record. Tell us a little bit more about that a record attempt and how far you actually managed to get in 24 hours. Um, yeah, David, it was um, it's something that's sort of been like a little um, monkey on my back. Uh, maybe a, understand me more like a little bit of a gorilla on my, on my shoulder. So um, I'm, I'm walking a little lighter um, over the last couple of days because we've actually um, done that record and set an all-African record for completing a non-stop 24-hour open ocean record, um, which was 131.8 Ks in 24 hours. Um, I was hoping to achieve a little bit further, but the conditions were a lot more testing than we had envisioned and imagined. Um, and I guess it's one thing that, you know, it's starting to become crystal clear for me. You know, when we when I achieved the 12-hour record um, a year and a half ago, the we had a waiting window of about a month to try and find the right conditions, the right forecast. And we were very fortunate to get all the conditions and all the elements fall into, into sync and to get the right conditions all the way through that 12-hour period. And I didn't realize at that particular time how, how fortunate we were to have all those elements line up. And um, trying to do the 24-hour record has just um, proved to sh just how – ridiculously difficult it is to try and get a 24-hour um, forecast and all the elements to line up over that duration to be right. And it's almost like a needle in the haystack. And we tried it twice. It was became too dangerous and out of control. And the third time we moved, we took everything we had learned from the first two attempts and realized that it would, the elements were too, too wild and too cold and too dangerous down in the Cape of Storms. You know, when you... When you're at two o'clock in the morning, when you're 40 kilometers out offshore in the pitch black, um, no moon, and the weather goes from good to bad, meaning the sea state goes from 
you know, one meter to three meters coming from all different sides. Your one support boat starts sinking. Fog bank comes in. You're getting circled by sharks while you're throwing up. And, um, you know, you're not able, able to even see your support boat around you. And you're wondering if you're going to get lost in the mist 40 k's out to sea. You know, you realize how the ocean can change in a split second. And things can go from good to bad in a very short space of time. And it's pretty humbling. It's, it's, um, it's, you've got to have a huge amount of respect for the ocean. You've got to have some serious backup plans in place to make sure that you can come home in one piece at the end of the day. And we learned a lot from those two attempts and we moved it um, further, further north and um, to Mozambique for those reasons. And we did get milder conditions, but the conditions were still pretty testing out there. And, you know, I'm just happy that we've, we managed to endure through that, that um, 20, full 24 hours. And, you know, we had some really testing conditions between 10 o'clock in the evening and, and, um, and five o'clock in the morning, which is, normally the most difficult time to try and get through mentally because um, once you can get through the nighttime and the daytime, um, remaining t- sort of 12 hours is a lot easier to manage mentally. So, yeah, testing. But, um, you know, I always like to try and test and push the borders and boundaries of, of both physical and mental and to try and test what's sort of possible. And, yeah, it's just another tick in the box. And, um, yeah, hopefully we can apply that um, some of the things I've learned for, for the next time around. Chris, look, per population, we are probably the craziest nation in the world. We've got people who go out and do, like you've done, absolutely mental things. And, and for most people, that's doing comrades is their mental thing. And for most people, in other words, they look at us doing comrades and they do think it's mental. Another person who I absolutely love and I love his story is Brahm El Haber. Uh, he wrote that book, yes. The Great Run, after doing the, um, the Great Wall of China. That That was incredible. But... They did that, and one of their big charities they did it for was Miles for Smiles. And uh, from what I understand, it's the big charity you were doing this for as well. And it's something I love about South African culture, endurance athletes. We we don't just go out and run this. Yes, it's individual, it's a personal thing, but there's always a charity involved. Why Miles for Smiles? And if people still uh, do want to sort of give a bit of money to the charity, how do they get involved? Um, thanks very much for that, David. Yeah, you're 100% right. I try and look at it from three different folds. Um, if anybody wants to donate, they just go to milesforsmiles.co.za and pick the 24-hour um, sub record and make any sort of donation. And, you know, it doesn't really matter how big or small your donation is, whether it's 50 rand or 500 rand or 5,000 rand. You know, it, it makes a little, you know, every little difference makes a massive difference in the end and can hopefully change a a kid's life forever by putting a smile back on their face and um, uh, affording them the surgery that will change their life forever. And, you know, I think that's also some of the inspiration, I guess, for for paddling the, the distances that I try and paddle and and for overcoming some of the difficulties and, and obstacles that we have during the night when it's really hard. You know, you try and suck it up and focus on, on the reason why you want to do it. And one of the main reasons is obviously trying to raise money and awareness for, for those little kids and hopefully train, changing their life forever. But I think it's sort of a threefold uh, um, sort of inspiration in regard to why we do it. You know, we talk about Simon Simic and his why. Why why do we do things and what drives us, what inspires us to achieve what we do? And I think some of it is personal for sure. Um, but I believe that by by achieving some of these goals and, and dreams and records and whatever I do that hopefully I can inspire other people to look at themselves and, and ask themselves the question, why, 
why can I not do something extraordinary? You know, I'm myself, Chris British. I'm, I'm just an ordinary guy like everyone else. You know, I go to work. I've got a full-time job. I pay the bills. I pay the taxes. Sometimes my speeding fines. And, you know, I just decide to do things and, you know, set, set, set goals for myself and work daily and take daily steps and actions to be able to make that happen. And it's never easy and it's, it's actually really difficult to try and find the time and juggle work and life and your relationship and your family and everything else. And, you know, we can always try and find 10 excuses of why we can't do something, but I believe that you need, you need to do is just find one reason why you can focus on it and just go out and do it. And I hope that by what I do, it inspires other people to relook at themselves and decide what's possible for themselves. And maybe they can go out and do something cool and exciting themselves. And whether that be, you know, doing a marathon or climbing Kilimanjaro or whether it just be taking their kid on a, a cool camping adventure for a weekend, you know, just get out there and make it happen. It's just a decision. It's just a, a belief and it's a choice. Well, Chris, if people haven't realized it yet, you do do a lot of motivational and inspirational speaking and, and you're drawing from a great base. But look, not everyone's going to go do what you do, but we talk about comrades, we talk about two oceans, we talk about some of these massive cycle races that we do in this country, Cape Epic, uh, uh, Old Mutual, Joburg to sea. And for every South African, it doesn't have to be stand-up paddling for 24 hours. We just no, have exactly. it in our culture to go do these truly inspiring things. And I love a lot of your mantras. Uh, do it, uh, what's it? Dream it, see it, believe it, achieve it. And your other one, nothing is right. impossible unless you believe unless it you to believe be. It to be. So, uh, as Correct. South Africans, it, it's kind of in us and people go with things like this. It's all in your head. Our head's a little bit better screwed on than the rest of the world, obviously. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what I think, David? One thing that I find quite interesting is that, um, you know, a lot of people go, oh, you know, I wish I lived in America or wish I lived, uh, wish I lived in the UK or, or Australia because I'd have more opportunity, I'd have more of this or that. But, you know, I feel that we are incredibly blessed and incredibly fortunate um, growing up in South Africa and living in South Africa um, for the simple reason I, I, I think it breeds an incredible amount of passion and an incredible amount of um, fire um, in regarding to proving to the world that we we can do whatever we want and we can be as good as anyone out there. And it, I think because we don't have things laid out for us on a golden platter, we have to we have to really fight for the stuff that we do. And you know, we often don't have the sponsorship to be able to get where we want to get to. And we have to do fundraisers, and we have to really go the distance. And I think that what separates us from you know from the rest of them. You know, they talk about separating the 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 rest from the, or the best from the rest. And I think that's because you know we are a lot more passionate. We are, we've got a lot more we're a lot more determined and. And we're a lot more resilient. And I think those are qualities that are incredibly, incredibly um, valuable in regard to achieving any goal and dream. And especially when you talk about endurance athletes and you talk about people trying to do the, whether it be the signing to sea or whether it be the comrades or whether it be the two oceans or whatever. It's, you know, it's, it's really about, about having the grit and the, the, the determination and resilience to not give up when your legs are are aching and burning and you know saying no that you cannot continue any further and it's about overriding that and overcoming that in within your head and 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 sort of eliminating all the negativity that starts coming into your head when you really want to stop and and call it quits to be able to you know take that and 
and turn it into positive affirmation and keep on positively reminding yourself that you've trained for this, you've, you've done this, you can do it. And it's only a couple, you know, do another 10 minutes, you'll feel better. And then once you get to that 10 minutes and do another 10 minutes and you'll feel better and you'll, you'll get through it. And I, I think that's the challenge that all South Africans, I, I believe, are better at facing than anyone else because we've had a lot of ad- adversity and a lot of more challenges to deal with to get to our goals and dreams and it makes us want to achieve it a whole lot, a lot more. And, um, yeah, I think that's what, what separates us from the rest. And hopefully um, that makes a big difference and helps people give them a little bit of guidance to, to overcoming their own challenges within their own mental state. Well, Chris, you already touched on a point there. And last week I chatted to Arno Malheba, our former 400-meter champion, and he was saying with our current crop, all of a sudden we've got this, these amazing athletes coming through at a big international level, and he said it's due to lack of support, and these guys are forced to just dig in and do it themselves. And I think that just kind of also sums up what you've said and what's great about South African culture. But what I also love is, is we're diverse culturally. We're diverse geographically. We have the most amazing countries. Uh, country. We have almost every different type of terrain and, and thing that you, that you want. And, and what it's bred is we've seen the rise in mountain bike riding. It continues to grow. But the be-all and end-all, the mainstay of South African culture, to me, still is running. And the beauty of running is it doesn't matter what sport, like you doing stand-up paddling, big wave surfing, running it just gets you fit on all levels. It doesn't matter what you're doing. And, and that's what's fantastic, I think, about our culture. And you can go race anywhere in this country, almost on any second any weekend, whether it's on-road, off-road, we are a running cultured country. Correct. And I think not only just a running culture as a country, but I think as a, as a continent. I mean, you look, at, you look at the Kenyans and you look at you know, Africans as a, as a country are, are globally renowned as the best runners in the world. I mean, you know, we, we come from a culture of, of, you know, the Bushmen who can run forever. The Zulus that can run forever, you know, we, 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 it's bred within us. And, you know, I, I'm really jealous of the guys that run the Comrades and stuff. It was always a dream of mine a long, long time ago. And I've, I've done a couple of um, half marathons. And unfortunately, I, I had a really bad um, surfing accident about eight years ago in Northern Chile where I broke my patella into about eight pieces. And it's never really healed properly. I've had some wire and what have you taken out. And I've actually only just got back into running over the last two years to complement my other fitness, I, I do, you know, I try and do three to five Ks on the treadmill every now and again, every, you know, twice, twice a week if I can. But, um, yeah, you know, I'm jealous of you guys doing the comrades and these other adventure races and the warriors and warrior races and trail races that everyone's getting into now because I must admit, um, we'd love to still give that a go. So maybe that's on the cards for me in a couple of years time, time to come. Well, Chris, I've I've done one, comrades. It was a failed attempt. I battled nausea for five hours, so I've, I've still got to finish that. But this year was the 90th. In 10 years' time is the 100th. I think it's going to be epic. So there, wow. there's a goal for you. 10 years enough time to get you ready for comrades? <laughs> you do it in 10 years' time on my journey. I want to do it once before then, and then my, my next one will be in 10 years. I think it will be a phenomenal race. Kurt, uh, Chris Burtish, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on the new 24-hour stand-up paddling record. And uh, we will look out for all your future endeavors. And, and once again, not only fantastic record, but great to see you doing it for something like Smiles for Miles. Chris Burdish joining us on Run Talk SA this week. We'll be back with another action-packed interview next week. Same time, same place.